They, hear the truck leaving now. If they were not uh, careful, it could have been catastrophic in here. Welcome to the Backyards of Key West podcast with your host, Mark Barato. So my name is Mark Barato. This is the Backyards of Key West podcast, and I am sitting here with Anna Sweet. Anna, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We are in, now this is, you have two studios, right? I have a studio and a gallery, yes. So we're in the studio, and then the gallery is on Duval Street, right? Correct. Okay, so I need like the origin story, the, the how did you get into this, where where did it come from? I mean, obviously you're an artist, so tell me about Gosh, I you as a, as a little girl. So I grew up in an art gallery. My mom is an artist, but she raised us basically buying and selling antiques for gosh, ever since I was born. Um, we lived in Charlotte, North Carolina in the upstairs of an antique gallery. And that's where me and my nine brothers and sisters were raised. And my mom did that by buying and selling and making her own work and selling that as well. So I was kind of constantly surrounded by that growing up. Right. And did you, was this like, did you want to be an artist or did you want to have a gallery or be more in the business side of it? Really? I saw my mom, I saw her struggle. I saw her painting away hours on end and I knew I wanted to be creative. I knew I was creative, but I didn't necessarily want to follow down her path and then look where I am now. It's funny, but, um, I decided to go into photography. I decided to study something that was a little bit more instant gratification. Mm. So I picked up a camera at 13, 14. I was obsessed. I would video everything. I would photograph my little sister. I'd photograph all my friends at school. Um, And then I guess I decided, hey, maybe I can make a career out of this. So I started looking at art school options. And that's how I ended up in New York. So tell me why the camera? Like, was it? I think it was because I could never draw as well as I wanted to. Mm. I wanted to capture what I was seeing. I wanted to show the beauty of the world accurately. And I didn't feel like I had the skills to do that with a paintbrush. Right. So then, so you knew that you wanted to get into art. Like you saw your mom doing it. You saw there was struggle in there. You're like, all right, I don't know what direction I want to go in, but art is definitely the world I want to be in. I was always moved by powerful imagery and with these classic paintings all around my house and just magazines that I would see growing up, I would feel an emotion when looking at certain imagery and I wanted to be able to evoke that same emotion out of people with my own vision. So I think that's where the camera came into play was I could literally see something, how I saw it captured exactly how I see it and then display it as such. And when you were doing that, when you were younger, were you like, this is a career path or were you thinking hobby? Oh no, I was obsessed. And so I you was were like, like, this is it. I, I have decided, to find a way. The dream job would be to do what I love and support a family at the same time. And I think I just had that in my head and I never let it go. Mm. So yeah, I love that. So what other things were you into that were outside of the art world? Well, I fenced for a while. Um, My brother was a great athlete. He succeeded at every sport and there was nothing he couldn't beat me at. So (laughs) I decided to start fencing just to throw him for a loop and it went well. And I um, kind of excelled with that and went to national tournaments and, you know, kind of, I don't know. I, I wanted to be 
like my brother, I guess. Right. And so I did that for a while, but then ultimately kind of came back mostly to the arts. It's right. like I had a one track mind. So. so with all the brothers and sisters, where did you fall? Seven of nine. Wow. Okay. So yeah. they had a lot more experience in, in working with the children before they got to you and your the brother you're talking about was he the one you looked up to the most or how did it's actually my little brother okay. so i kind of joke and say we came in litters and there was like three six nine so right. i was the the youngest litter the third litter and i was the oldest of that litter so it was me my little brother my little sister and my little brother was mama's boy right and he was you know the head of every team he was ever on and so i think and part of trying to get attention from my mom it was like well maybe if i play a sport right i'll get that attention and oh, so, nice. yeah yeah so you were like the the uh head of that pack yes in a way the leader of the pack <laughs> and are you still competitive with your brother now oh my god <laughs> is he an artist what does he do well he's actually um in life insurance and he also just opened a gym but he helps me all the time he's my right hand when it comes to art shows. I just got back from Sausalito, uh, the art festival in California. And every time I do a show like that, I make sure he's by my side because we just, he, he gave me all the confidence I needed to be a business person in the art world. I think, um, my first show I sat in the corner, I didn't talk to anybody and he just was my, my advocate and my pioneer. And, after seeing him talk about it so easily and um, answer questions. And I just, I just realized one thing, you just have to talk to people. Mm. You just have to engage. You just have to ask questions. If you're shy and you're quiet and you just say, you know, let someone walk by and decide, Oh, maybe I like that. Maybe I'll buy it. Maybe I won't. Then you're not going to get very far in this industry. So he taught me a big lesson is like, what do you have to be scared of? Mm. What do you, worried about you know people love your work otherwise they're not coming up to look at it you right. know they're not coming in here to give you insults they're coming in here to praise you so right. he's like just accept that and listen to what people have to say and it's as easy as that yeah great advice what about um when you guys were competing against one another did he go easy on you or did he not let you win purposely on a lot of things no he uh, he's good at heart you know it's Mm -hmm. like as competitive as we both are i think at the end of the day we want to see each other succeed and be happy so i don't think it ever got to be vicious or anything like that but we definitely butt heads a lot because we're both very strong and we have our own way of seeing and doing things it's my business and it's close to my heart but he sees the business side of it and how it could be better so we're constantly playing that battle well the reason i ask is because having somebody that won't sugarcoat things and won't let you win to let you win um, builds fortitude for real world because that's that's how it is so him uh, battling you like that and not going too easy on you helps shape you just like you know i'm i have a 11 year old and i try to do the same things with him i'm not letting him win everything i'm i'm making him have to work for certain things because when he gets older and he goes out there it's how the world's going to be. hundred percent. Sometimes I'll even, I have a two year old and just for fun, um, she'll ask for, I don't know, gummy bear, uh, a pouch, like the little fruit pouches. Right. And she'll ask for one every day. And I'm like, well, I could easily say yes, but you don't always get a yes in life. Right. So sometimes just for the, not to be mean, no. but just for the hell of it, I say, you know what? Not, not right now, Alice, yeah. you know, we're going to, we're not going to have one of those just because you want it. It doesn't mean you can have it. Right. So I try to do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's an, it's important to inst- instill that because, uh, not so much my generation, but 
the generations below me, a lot of things that are happening is, I guess even in my generation, a lot of parenting is like protective parenting. Mm -hmm. Like, oh no, I don't want my kid to get hurt at all. I don't want them to lose at anything. Um, you know, you failed at this, but it's okay. You know, you did the best you did. It's like, well, you may have, but you still failed. And it's important to understand that. I a thousand percent attribute where I've gotten so far in the world from growing up in a family that did not sugarcoat things. I mean, with so many brothers and sisters, you were lucky to get in a word in yeah. or even a bite of food in. You know, right. you had to really stand up for yourself. You had to be independent. You had to go get it. If you wanted it, you had to get it. Otherwise, you'd starve, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah and your brothers and sisters, you all help parent each other, too. So yes. you're like parenting as peers, which yes. is like even harder. And, and the lessons are, are stronger there because your brother's going to be like, you know, I'm not your dad. Go screw yourself, yeah. right? Whereas your dad maybe wouldn't say that. You know? Well, I don't know. My dad, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't the nicest guy back in the day, but he's he's made a 180 since then. I think all the stress off of him has changed him as a person, but that's a story for another day. But, I mean, if you ask my husband, I mean, he is the first person to say, the one thing about Anna is she doesn't sugarcoat things. Yeah. <laughs> so I give it to you how it is, and I just don't see any constructive way of going about it uh, other than that, I have learned from him as a very um, affluent businessman that you have to go about it a certain way. You can still tell people exactly what you're thinking, but people's emotions are real. Right. So you have to take that into consideration. And you always say what they're doing great right. before you tell them what they're doing wrong. So that's one thing I've learned in owning the business has been the hardest is managing employees and uh, remembering to do that. And you, these are the lessons you're learning from your husband? Yes, okay. him a lot. And then also, you know, having from the doing, business. From doing, from yeah, doing, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I lean on him a lot because he's had a business for 20 years and he's never fired an employee. Right. He's had the same people the entire time. And it's like, that's definitely, and when we get into that in Key West, um, we'll talk about, I'm sure, how difficult, that's one of the biggest things, one of the biggest challenges for Key West. Is that because he's really good at hiring beforehand? Um, or You know, gosh, I think he's a good read of people, but mm. I think he treats his employees with such respect and um, just, he's just a great guy mm. and he doesn't put up with things, but at the same time he's very patient and nurturing. Mm. And I think that makes him a good father and a good boss. Mm. Oh, excellent. I'd ask more, but if only if he was sitting I here, know. <laughs> there's a pillow here where he should be sitting. <laughs> so, Tell me about the first job that you had that was not in the art world and it was not fencing. Because wow, I my neighbor because I lived in an art gallery. My neighbor was also commercial, so it was a music store, mm -hmm. and they sold uh, woodwind instruments, mm -hmm. so flutes and trumpets and all kinds of stuff. And my mom was friends with the owner, so she convinced him to hire me. At gosh, I was fourteen, fifteen. Um, my first job, and I would literally sit there and sort the little pads that would go into flutes wow. the keys of flutes and i would have to count them out in sets of 30 and put them in little ziplocs and then label them and i did that for four hours every day oh my god and that's actually how i discovered fencing because the guy i worked with he was a fencer hmm. and we would talk and we had nothing else to do and and he said you know there's a club right by here you could probably go check it out so wow. that's how i ended up doing and that. you were just like Okay, fencing. I might as well. I'm like, that sounds. I could beat my brother at this. Really one. cool yeah. and something JoJo can't do. So <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's great. Um, what about 
anything earlier than that, like that you were hustling to do? Because I'm assuming oh, with that man. many brothers and sisters, your parents weren't like, oh, you want this? Sure. You want that? Sure. Definitely. No, we, um, we struggled for sure. And money was never just handed out. It was always earned. And for me, I saw how hard my mom worked to pay the bills. And so I did so many things from, you know, after the fundraiser was over, continuing to sell candy at school. Right. Um, I would throw benefit concerts um, for a charity and say I would give all the ticket proceeds to the charity, but then I would keep the food money for mm. myself. Like I would sell pizza right. at that event. And that actually almost made more than the ticket sales. Right. Um, so it was always like, okay, how can I pay for my gas? How can I pay for you know my cell phone? How can I pay for this? And so I, I had to get out there and, and do it. So it was like, I want this particular thing, a new shirt or even, even paying the gas or paying the bill. Or film and, for my yeah, camera. Right. Yeah. And you're like, all right, how can I do something to get that? And it's important people need to realize that because the place where you're at now, sometimes people think the overnight success and stuff like oh, that. Or it was given to you in any way. Yeah, and yeah. People tell me every day they come in here and they say, man, you're young. And I say, <laughs> I feel like I've worked the the same amount of time as a person that is in their fifties has right. worked because I just never stop. Yeah, I don't take days off. I don't, you know, when you have a baby that you're trying to nurture, literally two babies, a business and a child. Yeah. um, you just you're never off. So right. I work constantly. Yeah, that's that's the reason why I'm hung up and asking these origin story questions because it's important for people to realize when it comes to running your business and when it comes to doing a business, um, things aren't handed to you. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It matters when you started doing the things you did that led up to where you're at. And if you at a 12, 13 year old are hustling to pay for a cell phone bill, I mean, I didn't have to do that. My, I mean, I did little things on the side, like when it would snow, I'd shovel people's driveway and I'd make money doing that. But it's like up until I was 18 and even went to college, my parents helped. And that was in my eyes, a little bit of a detriment because I had to struggle more after college when my parents were like well now it stops and i was like oh there was a little bit of a ride going on there for four years yeah and this... how do you all of a sudden as an adult say shit now i gotta be an adult yeah <laughs> right know, like overnight luckily i i understood the situation and wanted to gear up especially you know having that 80s 90s man mentality i gotta work i gotta take care of these things right so that was my drive to be like cool i don't need anything from anybody else but having that I don't get it unless I work for it mentality. That's like what I'm trying to instill in my kid now. Mm -hmm. Is it, oh yeah, he, like he's got a couple hundred dollars saved up and he wants to buy something for Fortnite or something like that. And he's like, I'm just going to use my money. And I'm like, I can't wait till you burn through all this money. Or you could say, what can we put that money into? That's what I, trust me. That would be from you that, all the Fortnite things. <laughs> he doesn't get it. And I try to explain Let's it. Let's turn one Fortnite into many. I'm like, bro, look, if you just put it all in Facebook stock, <laughs> that, just that or Amazon. Right now, they just got really bad press. Now's the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. I, I told you, dude, when it was at 80, we should have went in and now it's 180. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to teach him that too, especially coming from the background that I have with, with being in the market and stuff like that. It's like, make it multiply or you want this, you have to earn it mm -hmm. instead of earn it for a piggy bank, earn it for something that you could tangibly see. That, and important. I think passion is just so coupled with what we're talking about. Like you can understand the responsibility of something, but if you don't have passion and if you're not passionate about it, it's not sustainable. It's yeah. not going to last. So I think a huge influence 
or, you know, beneficial side of it is you have to remember that to be passionate. Agreed. The thing that, that people struggle though with that is some people will say, I don't know what my passion is. Like, Oh, that's so annoying. How do I find that? And a couple of things I tell people is first, you're never too old. You could be 40 years old and you don't know what your passion may be. Um, so you need to try things. What's your favorite food? Oh, it's this. Well, how did you know? Well, you tried all these things. Have you ate oysters? No. Well, maybe that's your favorite food. Time to taste. Yeah. Taste a lot of things. It's easier to do that when you're younger, right? Because you have zero responsibility or less that you can taste a bunch of things. But it's almost like, what do you enjoy doing mm -hmm. that if you, uh, quote unquote, had all the money in the world, you yeah, would do? Exactly. And why don't you do that? So sometimes it's judgment of others that's keeping you from really doing what your real passion and, is. And a lack of self-confidence, I think, unfortunately, for a lot of people, they they might enjoy something, but they don't think they're good at it. Right. Enough, good enough at it, you right. know? And so they need almost someone to tell them, you should you should do that, that right. you're good at that. Why yeah. don't you, maybe they didn't have parents who said, you know, man, that's good. Yeah. You know, maybe you, you should try that out. So I'm all about inspiring people as much as I can. I, I, a lot of my employees are young and up-and-coming artists, and I, I find myself spending half my time trying to nurture their career right. rather than having them help nurture mine. So. Right. Well, that's the thing that they can, they can and never will work as hard as you. The reason why is because this is your business it's and a that's a lesson I've had to learn. Yes. That's a lesson that, that people out there listening. If you own a business and you complain that why aren't my employees working as hard as I am for the same dream, it's like, well, then give them as much equity as you have and then you'll see a difference. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. They're never gonna work as hard as you. So it's important to realize that you're the one in charge, meaning anything that breaks, any employee that steals, any problem they have, you hired them, so you have to take responsibility for that. And learn about them. Like how many times have you taken your employees out to dinner? How many times have you seen where they're at at the particular time in their life? Maybe right now they're single. Maybe in five years they're married. Maybe in five more they have kids. Maybe at the beginning they wanted more money. Maybe now they want more work-life balance. Who knows? You have to understand your employees in order to direct them in the right way. And then you'll have long, uh, long-lasting employees, which obviously your husband knows how to do really well if he still has all his employees. I think it's building those relationships and um, gaining that respect from your employees. And I think a big way in doing that is showing that you care. And I think that's the number one complaint for a lot of employees is they don't they feel underappreciated. Mm -hmm. So the more you can show your employees that you appreciate them, the more they know they're doing a good job. You have to show people constantly that they're being appreciated and they'll continue to be inspired. So tell me, um, when did you first come to Key West? Oh man, that's a fun story. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was engaged once upon a time and we all had tickets to go on the bachelorette party and it was in the Caribbean and I, for many reasons, had to call the wedding off and we decided to have an unbachelorette. So nice. now that we all had the tickets to Miami connecting through, um, I decided, why don't we just drive to Key West? So we all came here on an unbachelorette party, which was way more fun than a bachelorette party. Oh, I party. bet. <laughs> I bet. And was this your first time here? Yes. And you didn't just stay. You came and partied and had fun and then went home and then... Correct. And then when did you come back? And then I realized, oh my gosh, that's such a cute town. My parents were living in Miami at the time. My mom... Um, 
was doing her art and we both decided, hey, maybe we'll go down and find a gallery to represent us in Key West. Right. And so we did and um, I ended up being represented at the James Coleman Gallery. Gosh, this must have been like six, seven, seven years ago um, when I first came out with my first line of work and um, I literally went door to door at every gallery and I just had it in my hand, my work and... Um, you had like a brochure of it? A brochure, my book, but then I also had my pieces in the car. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as I showed them my book, and my brother actually helped me put together a little sales pitch, as you could say, for galleries, which showed my numbers. Mm -hmm. I had one gallery in Fort Lauderdale at the time, and they were doing pretty well with my work. So he said, hey, just take these numbers into, you know, everyone's a business person, and um, show them what you're doing, and uh, show them the work, and that's what I did. I, I said, here's my book, here's my, you know, sales over the last year, and um, and then immediately he said, sure, bring it in, let's look at it, wow. and it, it fit the bill, and his name is Bill, no pun intended, but um, yeah, he decided to carry it right there on the spot. So I was in there for about five years, and when I was in Hawaii uh, two years ago, right before we moved here. You were um, living in Hawaii. I was living in Hawaii, and we, I had, I know we're backtracking, hopping around. We're going to go, we're going to go all over the place. Okay, good. A... Yeah, so basically um, five years there, and then decided to you know, make a transition and do my own thing. They were my best-selling gallery. So I thought, well, we, we know Key West. Let's do it there. Let's open a gallery in Key West. Okay, I've got a lot of questions. So okay. let's let's go back to when you were a photographer mm -hmm. and thinking, okay, this is the business I'm going to get into. When did you start believing yourself and picking up the paintbrush and going in that direction? So, gosh, I, it's funny. I was just thinking the other day as I was painting one of my pieces, I'm like, I never thought in a million years yeah. I'd be painting. I wanted to be a fashion photographer. I wanted to shoot for Vogue. I wanted to shoot right. for Vanity Fair. I interned for one of the world's biggest fashion photographers in London, uh, Rankin. And I was there for three weeks and realized, man, I don't know if this is for me. I mean, right. the guy barely did anything. He'd walk in. He wouldn't even hold his camera. I probably shouldn't say this on the air. But, um, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be listening. Okay, so. good. <laughs> We're not but that he, big yet. All of his interns did every single and last thing for him. So just, he, just, he just pushed the button? He literally... His his intern held the camera over his head oh and my God. followed him around set and he would push the button. Wow. So I just kind of got turned off at that point and decided, well, maybe I need to go more into the art world because my mom, you know, being an artist mm -hmm. my whole life, um, I was familiar with that. So, and I saw it as a more instant way to pay the bills. Um, it's really hard to fight your way through the industry in New York, as you know, um, to get any kind of paid job, you're going to be working for free for 10 years before right. you get any kind of job. So I needed to pay the bills then and there. So I decided to approach an art gallery for the first time with my photography. And they said, wow, that's beautiful, but we don't. Okay. So you approach a gallery yes. for the photography work. Correct. I see. Yeah. Because I'm like, uh, trying to make it as a photographer in New York city is, you know, being a painter in New York oh, city yeah, is just as hard or even worse. So, <laughs> So yeah, I studied. I started with photography. I studied photography at the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. That's how I ended up in New York. And then working for several photographers in New York, eventually moving to London to work for Rankin. And then I kind of um, didn't start painting until about two years ago. Um, my whole, well, that's, that's untrue. My, my photography actually encompasses a lot of abstract painting mm -hmm. um, merged with it. Uh, this is one of my underwater right, photographs right. over here. Yeah. But um so that work kind of evolved because that first gallery told me, no, we don't, 
we don't sell photographs. So right. I said, cool, let me make something you can sell. So I decided to, I had been to so many different art shows and museums that I saw work with mixed media and texture. And I decided, oh, maybe I'll add that into my photography. And that's exactly what I did. I thought this is kind of crazy and this is not what I ever thought I'd be doing. I thought I'd be shooting fashion. And, and so I just kind of went crazy on the canvas, you could say, and through materials and paint and just tried to make it something truly one of a kind and unique so that that gallery could say, we've never seen this before. Right. Let's sure, you know, and that's how I got my first gallery. I went back six months later with this five pieces that I had added paintings and texture and were they photos that you, that you printed them on canvas and they were all underwater photographs, Uh but then I, I I wanted them to be very sleek. And at the time metal was just kind of metal printing was just kind of coming about. So I actually, the first line I printed myself at Costco because it was the cheapest place to print. Right. And I glued it to plexiglass that I got from a guy in Fort Lauderdale. Mm. And I put wood from Home Depot and I cut it up and I used wood glue on the back. It was totally botched together. I took it to the gallery. They loved it and wanted to give it a shot. They had a show for me. All all the pieces sold out wow. in the show. And then I quickly realized I had to replace them all because Well tell I, me that moment. Was did did you see them all sell out or did you get a phone call? Like I, I was at know the show moment. and they started to sell and as soon as one piece sold for at the time I think it was thirty six hundred dollars. I mean and how'd you price them? They priced them for this you? This is funny too, because they asked me, Well, what do you think you want for them? So I just um took my cost and I tripled it. As my mom has always said, you triple your cost. Okay. And I then, tri- I, I'd said, that's what I, that's what I want. I want, I don't know. I think I said $1,200 or, or, or the price should be $1,200. In my mind, I wasn't thinking the galleries are going to add 40, 50, 60% Right. You're thinking the customer that. would pay 1200. Yes. I'm like, okay, so if the customer pays 1200 and it's like 50, 50 split, then I get my cost plus a little blah, blah, blah. So right. I'm like, oh, okay. So they're like, great. Okay. 3,800. 3, and I'm like, Oh, you really think people are going to pay $3,800? So wait, you tell them $1,200 and they're thinking, cool, that's what we'll pay for them, meaning the gallery. Yes. And then you get anything from the, you get the $1,200 and they get everything above that? So how they work and every gallery has its own way of doing it, but they're 60-40 split. Mm. So they take 60%, the artist gets 40. So they're like, okay, if we price it at $3,800, you're getting, I can't remember, it was like 15 something. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap. Right. Like I just didn't realize, oh my God, like my work could actually sell yeah. for, for that much. And when it did, like, at I should have told them 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still just didn't believe him. I'm yeah. like, no one's going to pay that. Right. That's crazy. No one's going to pay that. But now when you painted, I'm sorry, to, I keep interrupting, but it's so juicy. Mm-hmm. When you, when you went crazy the first time, this is your first time doing this. When you're looking at all these pieces or you're like, wow, these are awesome? Or did you have confidence in what you did? Both. It was like, oh my God, that's so different. But who's going to buy that? Right. I don't know. I was just, right. I didn't, I, it had never been done before, I guess. Yeah. And it didn't look like anything I'd ever seen before. So I just didn't know how Did you call some friends react. and be like, hey, do you like this? Oh, or? all the time. I would send pictures. I still have a panel. Every right. piece that I produce to mm. this day, I send to about five people and I say, what's your honest feedback on this piece? And every one of them comes back with me at me with a different opinion. And it's great. And that's how I really just like hone in. Do um, any of them come back and say, no, I don't like this? Yeah. Good. So then yeah. you have the right panel. Yes. Because if they were all like, this is great, you're, you're like, like, you know what? It, it's great, but you have a lot of stuff already like that. Yeah. Or I don't really like the expression in that one. And No, it's fine. We'll we take, can always take pause. A break. But we're back. <laughs> we had to take a, a pause because there was 
this massive was it art coming yeah, in? Yeah, it was actually a, a commission piece that just came in in a giant freight crate. So yeah, it was like this enormous piece that you if can it, hear the truck leaving now. If they were not uh, careful, it could have been catastrophic in here. Yes, and I don't want to take responsibility for that. Um, but it was good because I was able to get uh, a little bit of a tour on everything that you're doing. Not everything, but a couple of pieces like that. And I, we're going to keep that beeping in the background too. I love that. Um, <laughs> it, it, I looked on your website. I saw some of the stuff you're doing, but I don't like to do any research. I don't like to know anything about you or anything. I didn't know if you were married. I don't know how oh, many, good. I didn't know where you were from. I knew nothing because. Why am I asking the questions then? Yeah. If I already know everything. It needs to be natural. It's nice to know um, all those different things. So when it comes to your art and when it comes to designing and when it comes to pricing it out, you were mentioning that you're in the studio and they're like, oh, we're going to put it at this price. And then you're like, oh my God, is anybody going to buy it at this price? And then you're at... So it was like a like a gallery showing where it was just you they were showing or was it multiple It was people? new and emerging artists that the gallery was promoting at that month. And so I think it was me and three or four other artists um, all coming together to okay. just show for the first time. Right. And so you saw people gravitating to your work and then did they... Did they buy it on the spot? Like, how did that go? Yeah, they're they're really good at that gallery. They have great salespeople. And uh, me being there, it being my first show, it being something new and exciting, I think that really uh, spoke to people. And it was, I guess, the right kind of magic to happen for them to write that big of a check. And so. was mom there for this? Oh, yes. So yes. she was like, was she beaming too, seeing oh, this yes. stuff getting sold? And you're Definitely. like, all right, so I, you got to tell me. So it's the end of the night. And you're looking around and it's like sold on all your pieces. Are you like, holy shit, like was there a pinch me moment? Tell me about when that. When I took that first check to the bank okay. and I was sitting at the ATM and I had never even seen a check for that much money. Right. I was just like, okay, now I'm going to go make more art. Right. That's all I wanted to so do. So it wasn't believable until you saw it like in the bank account. Correct. I never count on anything until it's yeah. in the bank. You're like, they could say no and not pay or return. Or like decide. It was literally, I had put those together with wood glue and plastic. So I was like, maybe they're going to return this. It's going to fall apart. But luckily, those checks allowed me to remake them properly for all those clients. I literally uh-huh. just put together what I could afford to put together. And it wasn't archival it wasn't something to sustain time so um luckily they did sell i could use that money to make them how i make them now which is on aluminum and you know proper okay so resin. they bought them and then you're like hey give me a, a month before i deliver them to you kind of thing uh, they took them and then i just slowly replaced them for okay. each client yeah I'm wow. like, you and know, how did that phone call go were you like uh, well they were like you know i mean they get it it was my first show it was right. my first time producing anything like that they were just happy to have it and happy for me to remake it properly i would have so. been like ecstatic i mean you could have been like hey you buy what you get it's a yeah. first timer <laughs> you bought it if the thing falls apart and there's wood glue coming out but Aww. that was wonderful that you actually did that i think that's something i've had to take with me through owning this business is there's always going to be that client whether it's your fault or not that you have to appease you have to swallow your pride and say i'm a business person this is part of the price of doing business Mm -hmm. that you have to make people happy and so if even if it's a crazy request like i get crazy requests and craziest requests. oh my gosh well Oh, you don't have to ever, name names <laughs> and it could be someone not in Key West. Um, well, just one thing popped into my mind the other week. Um, I'm selling these little coasters now and they have my sticker on the bottom 
And this woman, it was so sweet of her, but she emailed me a self-addressed envelope with it requesting one sticker because one of the coasters didn't have a sticker. And so I just had to put a sticker in the envelope and put it in the mail for her, but she had to have stickers on all of the pieces. So that's it's what like I did. It's like the barcode scanning sticker or what's the... No, just like a... It just has my name on it. Oh, okay. Well, she wanted, I guess, I, I don't the know. authenticity of It's like a $10 coaster and right. she wanted yeah, the sticker on the bottom. I don't know, It was sweet, though. She was really nice. Um she sells it for 15. It was a big ROI. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Maybe she's like, this is not a complete set. I cannot sell this on eBay. Right. Um, that and then people asking for uh, certificates of authenticity on things that are like $100. Um, I know that sounds like you probably, I don't know. If you don't know art, it's something they wanted to prove it to you. I'm like, well, my, se- my signature's on there. Mm-hmm. Like what else, what other proof do you need? People right. get hung up on these certificates sometimes and yes. I, I don't understand it, but uh, I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll Yeah, I bought a couple of original pieces in Miami that reminded me of stuff when I left. And um, I didn't ask for it, but they obviously gave. That was the whole thing. Like, I, All right, I'm going to tell you the story. My wife, she bought me this piece of art that she hates that we, she bought it, but she loves it, and I love it. Is it when I was, I went to University of Miami, and when I was in Miami all the time in South Beach and stuff like that, um, on one of the side roads, uh, Española, there was this artist that always, I remember in college, always seeing this. It was a Miss Piggy with like a, her boob hanging out. Nice. And it was like... <laughs> a painting, I'm Painting, yeah. Different Miss Piggies portraying different famous people, but always a oh. boob, like always like her dress strap popped off and it was like all original stuff this guy only did. Huh. And I'm always like... I want one of these Miss Piggies because it will always remind me of Miami. And then right before we left for like my birthday, my wife had one commissioned for me and we have it in the house. And she's like, all right, listen, we cannot have this in the living room. (laughs) Miss Piggy with her tit out. We have to like put it in a more obscure spot. So now it's like every time I come out of the bathroom, there's Miss Piggy right there. So she doesn't have full glory, but she's got enough. That's nice. Yeah. But um, yeah, I understand what the certificate and people want that because I mean, look, if you're going to be a collector, I guess you want to have that, right, for in the future if you sell it. I mean, is that a necessity? Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. If it's like an original work of art and it's, you know, a $5,000 thing that you need to have on your insurance policy and all this stuff, like I get it. Um, But sometimes when it's just like a print of mine, you know, and it's like... Not an original. uh, Yeah, it's like a $200 print and, you know, it's digitally signed and numbered. It's it's something that I, I guess... I'm always happy to make clients happy. Put yeah, it that way, of course. I'll do anything to make a client happy. Like, I mean, just reading my emails today, I have a client that ordered a print, uh-huh. and it's a canvas print. One of the artists I represent, and it's just wrapped around on the on the canvas. Right. But she doesn't want it wrapped around on right. the canvas. Right. So now we've got to reprint the print to just be on the front. Right. And that's how she wants it. So right. we're gonna we're gonna do it. But that that's that's the reason why you know we may be harping and talking about these things is it's important if you're running a business, you're starting a business, is that you value your client, your customer. Absolutely. Because if you don't, they're your lifeline. That's it. And that's that's like when I talk to people about social media and stuff like that too. It's like listen, if you're posting stuff, and this is trivial compared to all this, but if you're posting stuff and people are commenting and they're writing about the things that you posted that you like, um, 
you should, and you're complaining about why you don't have more followers or all these different things. Why don't you nurture the ones you have? Mm-hmm. Why don't you be in communication with them? Why don't you do the things with them that will show you that you appreciate them as a fan of whatever you're doing? Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the things I've had to learn being the scatterbrain that I am. I always want to go to more next. What else? Right. And then I realize wait a minute, I need to focus on what's right here. I need to develop what I've already started. I need to finish what I've started in a way. Um, I've got so much traction already. Like you said, I've already got people engaging. Yeah. Why don't I just engage with those people? Right, right. And then more will follow. So I totally And agree. the people that have purchased from you, are you getting reorders? Are they buying more pieces? Yeah. Um, surprisingly, I mean, I guess there's a lot of fans out there that have houses full of women. I just I, Today, it still blows my mind that you know, people, I shouldn't be so insecure about my work, but it's, I don't know. It just, it's something that I, to this day, people don't haven't really decorated with photography right. of women. So literally it's like for, for centuries, yes, paintings of women, no mm-hmm. problem. But when it's something so literal, I still think it's just something so new. And maybe that's what makes the work successful is that it's different and exciting and new. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, I don't find it surprising that they're rebuying because of the way that you treat them, because of all the things that you said. Those little things matter, and you just never know. You want to do right just for doing right with no intention. And every Christmas, I try to think of something different and unique to send out to my clients um, to make them feel special and thought of. And all year long, they'll come back to me and say, oh, you know, Anna, I got that coaster or that that, uh, tree ornament in the -hmm. the mail. And it just made me feel so special. Thank you so much for thinking of me. And it's like just this little thing that I want to do to let them know how much I appreciate them because without them, I wouldn't be here. So I'm always thinking of ways to to let them know thank you you know yeah and in a non creepy way you can get their social media and you can stalk them and see some other things that they like and they're like oh I like this Merlot and you can send them a bottle of that with your signature on it or whatever all the time like it was a woman's birthday the other week and she really wanted this wave and I'm not just I'm not bragging about this I'm just saying because we're talking about it she um she couldn't afford it and so I said you know what mom just my mom directs the gallery for me she's head of sales and so I said, mom, just, just let her have it for her budget, you know? Yeah. And she was just over the moon. Oh my God, you made my birthday. Thank you so much. So when I was packing her wave up, I went ahead and threw like all these extra little things in there yeah. for her, like little surprises. Right. And I was like, right. I just, I can't wait to like, you know, hear her, you know, expression when she opens that package and yeah. finds something more than she was expecting already, you know? Right. So I do like to just... Life is short, and the more smiles I can put on people's faces, the better. You would also, I could tell just from talking to you that you're not high on your own supply at all, which is important, right? You're not, you're not going like, you're still pinching yourself. You're yes. selling stuff for four or $5,000 or maybe more, and you're, it, I see you still pinching yourself. I, so. th- I think owning the business has really knocked me on my, my <laughs> your ass, astro you bueller. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been such a wake-up call. Uh, and very humbling, like super humbling. I thought when I was, you know, 21 in New York City, I could do anything. And, and I love that I thought that because it's made me do those things and it's gotten to me to where I am. But over the last year with my business on Duval Street and opening this studio and providing to the 20 galleries that I provide to and hiring multiple employees and having, you know, to worry about paying my rent, it's, yeah. it's just made me see like how hard and, it's a lot harder than I could have ever imagined. So why did you go from artist to artist owner? 
of a studio and stuff. I will. think it was just one of those bucket list things that mm-hmm. I wanted to prove that I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always looking for a new challenge and I'm like, Oh, a gallery sounds like a great idea. If (laughs) so-and-so is selling my work and taking 60%, I'll open my own gallery and I'll take a hundred percent. Um, but what I didn't realize is it really comes down to being uh, ultra involved in your business. It's like you could not put that business in anybody else's hands. Um, and I just didn't really at the beginning have the time to do everything. I couldn't produce for my galleries and, sell every day at my gallery is right. 12 hour shift on Duval street. Right. And so, create the art. And exactly. So producing and then selling and it's just, I, I couldn't do both. So luckily my mom stepped in and took over gallery director position and uh, she's been doing her whole life. She went back to selling art and she's great at it. And she really has helped the gallery sustain over the last two years. And thank God I have her. Mm. So you're, you, you sell out this first run. You're like, I got to make more art. And then are you now looking for different studios to place your art in? How did that go? So I've been with my women line of women. I've been carried in galleries for the last uh, six or seven years um, since Key West and Fort Lauderdale, um, Hawaii, New Orleans. Um, I've had shows kind of all over like in London and New York and um, different kind of pop-up things here and there. But um over the past two or three years, I started to want to expand my portfolio and have things as a business owner that has to pay rent on Duval Street. You quickly realize if you only appeal to one person or one type of person, mm-hmm. you're why limit yourself? Right. So it forced me to go outside my, you know, comfort zone and develop something that would appeal to Key West. So I that's started, before you open the gallery, or this as, is after. Okay. So once I open, sorry, I'm jumping all around. No, no, please. But, um, once I opened the gallery, I quickly realized that I, I couldn't pay rent off of just my women. It was such a niche market. Right. So the gallery had all women in there and yes. you were just like, And okay. everyone's telling me, like, I had a salesperson that was helping me in the beginning, had worked here in Key West for a long time. She's like, Anna, you got to appeal to every single person yes. that walks in the door. Yes. And I'm like, I just don't know. This is my name. This is my brand. This is my identity. Like, I was so stubborn. And then my brother calls me one day and he's just, and he's very persistent and he's a great salesperson yeah. because of it. But he said, you got to carry this artist. I went to school with him. He paints with his fingers. He's incredible. You won't believe it. And not to interrupt, but did you think that you were going to carry other people's art? No, so absolutely you were like me not. Or, and that's it. Correct. Right. Okay. It, my name, my yeah. brand. Yeah. I wanted to, you know, go big or go home. And so. And you got the name for it. Yeah, I mean, I've been I mean, told that on. my whole life. It's so like- <laughs> I, I just had to run with it. I had to try. So I did that. And I think I quickly realized as a business person without an ego, an artist ego, I said, I want to pay my rent and mm. I want to do what mm. I love and I want to um, afford to stay. But you were you were paying all the bills anyway, though, with... Yeah, we were making it by. Yeah. Um, but you were focused on, all right, forget about my commissioned work and all that other stuff. I want to focus on this studio and how I can grow this studio. Is that what you were thinking? Well, with the gallery? Yeah, or, I'm sorry, the gallery. Yeah, sorry. so I kind of dropped everything else and was just bleeding into the gallery. I had mm. to I had to be there every day. I had to oversee everything. I had to constantly figure out new ways to market, promote parties, openings. Um, I was working so hard and I realized, well, 
maybe I should just try something different. Right. Maybe your I brother's should. like, I got this finger painting. Guy. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, fine. Joe, fine. I'll do a show for him. Mm. It's fine. And we did a show and he sold out the first night. Right. You're like, so I'm so like, full all circle. right. So uh, we got, I guess, I guess this is God telling me that I just need to be more open-minded and uh, evolve. Right. And so I did. And now I represent, you know, five or six um, emerging artists at my gallery on Duval street. And everyone is so different mm -hmm. that literally almost every person that walks in the door can find something that they connect and relate to. So wow. I think from a business side, like I had to really reach deep and put aside my artist ego mm -hmm. to understand if this is going to be sustainable, I've got to give Key West what it wants. Right. And are you yourself painting art and doing things for more for what Key West wants, or are you still sticking with your type of brand and just bringing in other artists? Key West has had a huge influence on what I produce. Mm. I, I interact with my customers every day because my studio is 4,000 square feet here on Southern across from the Green Parrot. Yeah. And people can literally walk in every day and tell me what they do and don't like about my work. And I think that's so valuable yes. for me being that I'm in the retail side of things it's and so I'm hard trying to, hear, to sell. But it's so smart. It, it's great. It's like I can take that feedback and say, you know what? I'll make that for you. No problem. Right. And let me try. That sounds exciting. I'll try something new. And my art has changed a lot to appeal to the local demographic, which is funny because when I take my work, I have several galleries that represent it. The galleries in California sell completely different than the galleries of course, in Miami. Of course. You know, so I'm learning, okay, this is the style there. This is the style here. This is what people want here. This Luckily, Key West is a huge melting pot. And you get people from all over the world that come here. So I don't really have an issue. You know, everyone, there's something for everyone right. here. But. Is that where waves that those? That so the you? waves, yeah, I, I've been doing the women and like right. I said. It was water on, from the beginning. Yes, right. all, all about water. I wanted to actually make a surfboard with my with something on it i wanted to i just wanted to make a surfboard i don't know why i was obsessed with the thought and i've been reaching out to people for a long time and doing so much research going on instagram um anywhere i could to find inspiring images of what i wanted to produce and right. i came across um paintings of waves and i thought wow that ties really well into my work it's it's not figurative so um it'll be easier to decorate with for people um so i decided to try to paint a wave and I did like that clouds. It's so difficult. <laughs> yes. And, but I had been working with resin for so long right. that I thought, well, I can just try to use the resin cause it's already, it's kind of like water. Mm -hmm. And I started to develop this and it just, I, I've developed a process that is incredibly unique and one of a kind and people see it and they think it's a photograph. I mean, every day people say, what camera did you shoot that with? Yeah, I did too because <laughs> I see a lot of your work as photography work. So I thought, Oh, you took a picture of that, but so wow. I think I kind of hit on something. I, God blessed me once again with something that has paid my rent since I started selling them. So, so you, how many did you did you do right away? Well, I had a little tiny studio across from Fausto's. It was like 
250 square feet and I was producing as many as I could out of that space experimenting. And I mean, in the beginning I was, and like, was like private, right? The public didn't no, come public in. Came okay. in okay. And I was just like, man, these are hideous, but I'm getting there. But right. every time I made a hideous one, someone would come in and say, God, that's beautiful. And How many hideous with air quotes? So with me, yeah, I'm a perfectionist. Yes. To me, I'm not seeing it the way they might be seeing it in an abstract way. But I'd say it was six months of developing wow. the process where each one got better in my mind. But every person that walked in, it was a gem to them. So listen, everybody, that's six months of failure. Her <laughs> failure, not not from an outsider's perspective, but for the creator, six months of failure before getting to where you needed to do. Not like this stinks, I'm done, I'm gonna go move on to the next thing. I think what was important during that time though was understanding that just because I think it's a failure doesn't mean the world does. Of course. And I think we, we talked about that earlier in the episode. It was, you know, you have to have confidence in yourself and a lot of people don't think that their work's good enough but and that's what I was thinking right then and there in my studio. I'm like, this. I'm not gonna put this on the wall for sale but someone would come in and see me making it and they'd be like, wow, can I? Can I buy that? So well, little blips of people saying like, you're like, this stinks. And they're like, this is beautiful. And you're like, okay, I'm onto something. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe it doesn't stink. Right. Yeah. So Like a little gas on the fire. To yeah, keep it totally. Going. And right. then it was like, I couldn't keep them on the walls. I couldn't keep them uh, out there at all. So I uh, made the transition to an apartment because Key West rents are so high for yeah. commercial. I was like, oh, I'm just going to rent a two-bedroom apartment right, right. and make them out of there. Yeah. So I did that for a year. And then I stocked this place on Southern for months. I would go eat at Charlie Max with my husband and there'd be paper on the windows. And I'm just like, what are they doing with this big building? So I contacted my realtor and I'm like, can you find out who owns this building? I really want to, you know, make it my studio. It's huge. It's it's all the space I need. I'll I'll make it pretty for them. I promise, you know? So she reached out and initially it was no, they were like, no, sorry, hurricane damage. We need to fix the building. That's because they're putting like glue to keep it standing. (laughs) Yeah, totally. This building, well, new owners, he wanted to do it right. Um, Joe Walsh owns the brewery and he owns a lot of things in town. Lines, Jack Flats, all that. But he finally decided, agreed to meet me. And I think once he met me and realized I just wanted to bring this place back to life, he gave me the opportunity. And I am so, so blessed with this space. It's um, really allowed me the space I need to produce and grow. And it's great retail um Exposure. Yeah. It's 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 right on the way to Truman Annex, so people walk by me yes. every day. Right off Duval, pretty uh, much. It's it's and it's a block from my gallery. Yeah. I'm like I couldn't have asked for for better. So like I said, I wanted to build buy this building at one point because it's so perfect. Um, but yeah, so I got really lucky with this space, and it's really allowed me to develop into where I am now, which is producing at a a, a pretty big level. I've got galleries on every island of Hawaii and. Uh, West Coast to East Coast to Martin's Vineyard to the Hamptons to Miami to New Orleans. I mean, all over. So um, it's definitely a dream and it's something I just will tell anyone that wants to build their career in the art world. You have to just ask for it. You're not going to get anything in life unless you ask for it. And so literally I've cold called and it's the most uncomfortable five minutes of my life. But I will cold call a gallery. I will say, hey, did you get my email? I sent you an email. I want to mail you a piece of work. I want you to see it in person. If I can't go there myself, um, you just have to get there and ask for it. Mm. And I think that's where it was. Ask for it a a number of times, not just yeah, and and not just one time because I've had galleries ignore, ignore, and then I'll follow up, follow up, and it's maybe on the third or fourth time when they say, you know what? I'm so glad you were persistent about this because we do love it and it is doing well or whatever. 
Yeah, so. it's funny because 80% of yeses come on the fifth ask. <laughs> it's serious. It's crazy. It's like being in sales. It's so funny how it's like, wow, the majority of the yeses come after all those no's. Totally. And that's like the secret, right, of doing that because persistence. if everybody could do it, then everyone would be doing it. Yeah. So it's not easy. You just have to remember that, yeah, just because someone said no the first time doesn't mean that they always will. And I read a really good book recently called The Third Door, and it's all about how there's the front door. Mm-hmm. There's the back door, mm-hmm. and then there's the third door. So you either go in the front door because you know that person, uh, or you don't know that person, but you have a connection. You go through the back door because you know that person, or there's a third way to get in. Ooh. And so he, it's a guy that interviews, you might want to check it out. He um, interviews the world's most successful people. Like mm-hmm. That's his goal for this book. And he's just a college kid that drops out of medical school and decides to write this book. Wow. And so it's all about him getting to these people, right. no matter what. He uses the third door to get to them, and he's persistent, and he just wants to find out what makes them tick and how they got to be successful, but it's a pretty good book. Wow, I'm definitely going to do that. And if you're listening, you should get that book too, and we're not getting royalties, so don't worry. <laughs> um, all right, so I, I know we're going long, but I, I got to – you mentioned Hawaii. You can so, edit this later. It's so you're, you're successful – Selling the work. Now, what location was that? Was that New York? So I was in New York. I hadn't started producing when I lived there, but my art, uh, I was just doing photography. But when I was living in London, I developed that first line of work. Okay, so in London is where you sold your first pieces. Yeah, I did an art show on the street in London. That's where I first tried the concept. And I sold one piece, and it stunk so bad of polyurethane, polyester, was it poly polyester resin that I had to go take it out. I, this first piece I ever made with resin and I you couldn't buy resin back then. It wasn't like something that artists use at all. And so I went to an auto shop and I bought oh, fix, fix your car. resin, <laughs> And I covered this piece and it was so yellow. It like an old Buick. Oh my God. It was bad. And she's like, yeah, I love it, but you've got to come get it out of the apartment. It stinks <laughs> so bad. And so I'm like, okay, let me fix this for you. But anyway, so did that show in London and then brought it to the gallery in Fort Lauderdale. And I, I moved to Fort Lauderdale. Um, my parents were there and I had just was kind of over the grayness of London. And um, that's when I um, was coming down to Key West to visit my gallery here yeah. and met my husband right. just to fast track. And then we decided Key West, ooh, maybe a little dangerous for a new relationship. Let's try to get out of this town. Yeah. So we went to San Francisco. We lived there for a year. I would shoot um, my underwater series in Hawaii quite a bit. I'd bring uh, a team of models and do my whole production out there. Wow. And then we kind of fell in love with the islands and decided, why are we paying all this money in rent in San Francisco when we could own pay all a- that money and well, own a home in Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So we invested and bought a property on the Big Island and. It's on a coffee farm and it's beautiful and we love it. And we got pregnant and had the baby there. And then I was like, I want to open a gallery. So well, how did you leave? Cause I've never been. And everyone's like, well, once you go, you get, it's you know. so peaceful there. Uh-huh. And that's not my personality. Right. My personality is go, go, go. Right. So I wanted to start a business. I, I really just wanted to prove that I could do it. And, and you weren't like New York because that's where artists go. Oh, kind gosh, of gosh, New York, quotes. man. New York was great for nurturing me to be a hard worker and not to take anything for granted and to understand what it takes to succeed. I feel like in in the arts, um, so to say. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just think you're not giving yourself any kind of advantage trying to produce in that city when you're up against millions and millions of people. You come to Key West 
That's the great thing about Key West. Right. You're one of a hundred people. And there's a lot of art here too. It's very, you know, because it's just like when you keep mentioning New Orleans, it's like it reminds me of that, that little art culture in New Orleans that they also have here. But for the most part, it's, I can afford, you know, a space here, a space in New York. Oh my gosh. Well, I I mean, I can barely afford a space here. Don't don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's the most heavily, heavy financial decision I've ever made, but, um, but yeah, the, the tour, what, what made us choose Key West was the tourist traffic versus the rent prices. Right. Maui, 26,000 for a thousand square feet (laughs) uh, in Lahaina. And you maybe have, I don't know how many hundred people a day. Mm-hmm. Key West, you have any cruise ships yes. stop? At yeah, it's the a million end? people a year. Come it's Key West. so many. And you have one little street and they're all going to see everything on that one yeah. little street. So that coupled with my gallery here was so successful. That was carrying my work. I thought, well, it has to be Key West. Right. So we knew Key West. We met here. We lived here. We said, let's go back to Key West. So from Hawaii, we had our baby. She was four months old and we brought her on the plane with our dogs and opened the gallery. And then closer to, (laughs) and then, and your parents were living in Fort Lauderdale during that time. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's another decision too, because closer Closer to to family, family. because when you're in Hawaii, you're not seeing anybody, No, but everyone came to see me. Well, that's still hard to do that. I mean, you're like 12 hours from East coast. True. But I mean, you'd be surprised. Everyone was like, so when can we come visit? (laughs) (laughs) Same with Key West. I mean, people love it here too. Yeah, for sure. Lots of visitors. I already, we we're here like four months and we already have people lining up. Everyone's lining up. That's why you're building that, that That little backyard. That's right. That's right. So Key West, you're here, you have the studio, you have the gallery, you're start, you're seeing success. Are you thinking of expanding? I think I don't know what the future holds for me. Um, I'm like I said, I just always look for what's new and exciting. And right now, I think we want to open. This is like out of left field. You're going to think, but a winery in Oregon. Oh my God! No, it's not. <laughs> it would be like my dream. If you need me to come work there in the summers for free, because oh, you're the kid. You know, we will. We will definitely be taking all the help we can get. I for... will work there. My whole family will come. We'll we'll bring our own tent. We'll we're, sleep in the we tent. We love it. We, we love just it. Need That's soap. what we're excited about. We're we're excited about uh, doing something that people can come together and 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 produce um, organically and and enjoy. You know, not yeah. only do you get to grow this beautiful thing, but you get to consume this beautiful thing. Yes. And um, with my art background and my husband's. Um, you know, financial background and science background. Mm-hmm. We're thinking art plus science is what we're going to call it's, it. Listen, it's it's nature and art combined. It really yeah, is so. to be able to to use nature um, and to because I've researched a lot on wineries and and just not even being a winery, just being a producer of the grapes, right? And you're like, well, I'll sell it other wineries. Um, just the unless you're buying a winery already. And you're growing. I mean, that's like having a child times a thousand because it's like maybe five, six years before you're producing anything. And then there's so much science and art and intuition that goes into that. That sounds like a good fit. Ultimate challenge. Sounds like a good fit. (laughs) So we're excited to do that and then have an art gallery within the tasting room and just kind of scale back a bit. I think I want to take a breather after these three years in Key West, which was the length of my lease. Um, With the amount of overhead I've had to meet i've like gone from zero to space i feel like Mm -hmm. um and i just have worked myself so hard that 
I want to just get back in touch with, you know, nature and nurture and I love it. maybe I love have it. another baby. I don't know. Yeah. This is like definitely a round two, but I'm, I'm looking at my notes like, Oh my God, I, I don't even, if I've touched on anything yet, oh, <laughs> let, no. let me ask a couple, a couple All other right, things. And it's be, my fault. It's not brave. your fault because be you're brave. like winery and I could go, you know, skip over that. But I'm like, Oh my God, no, please. <laughs> All right. So, so tell me, we may have already touched on some of these things, but biggest, like worst, most horrible failure at the time. Ooh, man. Not personal. You have to tell With, me about the, the ex-fiance. Oh, <laughs> yeah. gosh. No, no, no. About, the, about your business. That yeah. was me doing what was right for my life. But, Congratulations. Um, <laughs> but I guess with yeah, the art. Um, or business. It could have been, I should have priced it this and it did this. Or I made this and nobody bought it or whatever. I think if you're maybe speaking to take a lesson away from, yes. from this, it's you got to be a numbers person. Mm -hmm. You've got to accept the reality. It's not just a dream. You, they don't loan people money to buy a house unless you can prove on paper yes. that you've made that much money for two years. So for me, it's like, I uh, it was kind of go, I had no track record. I mm -hmm. had no history. Um, but my husband being in finance was like, look, let's sit down. Let's talk about, and, um, I've done this, all by myself. He loaned me the money at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I know it's like personal information, but I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. He he gave me a loan and I've been paying him back ever since. And I want this to be 100% mine, but what I didn't yeah. realize is how much working capital it would take to sustain growth mm -hmm. and sustain the slow season. Yes. So I think when you open a business anywhere, there's gonna be a season, unless you're in a service industry. Um, if you're selling goods to in a tourist town, there's usually a season. And so you have to think about six months of not making any money. Mm -hmm. And you have to think about how am I going to grow this? I have to buy new inventory. I have to move into a bigger space. It all takes money. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to grow, you have to have that capital to grow. So I think just trying to really be realistic about the business side of it and understanding exactly what it's going to take to not only withstand a year of mm -hmm. business, mm -hmm. um, have that money in the bank, but um, what you're going to need to grow after that. Right. And, and not to be ashamed to go to friends or family and, and, and this ask for that. Is your husband. Yes. Um, and ask for that because Help. yeah, that is so much better. There's like three degrees on how you want to get raise capital. One, you want to go to friends and family. And the good news about that is no interest rates. You're not going to screw them over either. Cause you got to see uncle Frank, you know, in Christmas. Well, and if you if screw them over, person. yeah, right. This is for good people. Mm -hmm. Um, the second is you can take a loan, which like that sounds like the eighties, but people can, you can actually take a loan or you could raise capital and give away a big chunk of your business. Mm -hmm. And nowadays it's so easy to raise capital because there's so much in the system, fake capital in the system that it's like, now you have to answer to someone, someone else is your boss. You may lose a big percentage of your, your company. You're now worried about, um, answering to someone who with a Harvard degree instead of a business degree of life, um, why you have to pay back or why you can't and things like that. So, and the good news about that is too, is when you take a loan from a bank or when you take a loan from friends and family, you now are in a cash flow business. You're thinking about how can I make money with the business to not, not just pay the loan back, but sustain the business. Right. Whereas when you're getting it from a venture capitalist, it's like, hey, it's been 10 years and we're losing a million dollars a year for the last 10 years. That doesn't take a genius to do that. 
to lose yeah. money month after month. But it does take somebody with skill to take the loss and shrink it month after month right. until you're now profitable. And then you have enough money to start paying back the people that helped you. That yeah. Way. And I got in that position about a year ago. I, this time it's, it's deadest, deadest time. Yeah. And yeah. nothing September was coming in. Brutal. And I'm like, I was getting so nervous. I don't want to borrow more money from, you know, Steve, I, I just want to do this on my own. And I've been so blessed to have, you know, been able to do it up to that point. And then I just thought, what am I doing wrong? Like, do I need to get out of this? I was having all this self doubt and, um, wanting to just get rid of it and move on and not think about the hard part of it. And just be more of the artist and less of the business. Yeah. But I also, I, I, I think the best thing about this three year lease is it's the biggest commitment I've ever had to make business wise. Mm -hmm. And it's forced me to, work through the hard times. Right. So at that time I was thinking, like you said, shrinkage, how do I go through, find out where I'm losing and cut that and then find out where I can gain and promote that. And so I just had to reassess. Whereas maybe some people would just say, ah, oh, screw it. We'll move on to the right. next idea. I thought I, I can't afford to do that. I've mm -hmm. already invested so much in this. I have to pull through. So that's exactly what I did is I reassessed and, um, I went out and did a few shows and, you know, called a few clients. Hey, what do you, what do you, how are you loving your art today? And like, mm -hmm. you just, you, you, it's a hustle, I guess you gotta. So let me ask you a personal question. Sure. Do you hate doing that? Like total honesty over your art? Like which one do you love more? Oh, it's, or cause it know, sounds to me evolved. that it's you, changed. you like a little bit of both. You're like, it's I like the pain of the business part, but I, you like the challenge of it. I think in all honesty, oh gosh, I don't know. Um, we can always edit it. No, it's fine. I, I, I just don't want to come off sounding shallow or anything, but it's not. Well, I'll give an example for me. So there are, so I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. I've gone to all his events and mm -hmm. he does a thing called business mastery. And one of the things he talks about is people are ingrained with their DNA is being an artist, an entrepreneur, or a manager leader. And you, like Tony, is an artist mm -hmm. because 80% of his time is to do these seminars, and 95% of his income is not from those. You wouldn't say he's an entrepreneur? No. He says he's an artist at heart, but he has built the muscle of being an entrepreneur. So anybody could be all of it, but at your core, like Steve Jobs, or Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook, he's not going to sell it. He'll never sell it because he's an artist. And that's a little bit of a difference Gosh, there. I don't think I can put a label on myself. I think I'm really split down the middle between entrepreneurial and, and art because as much as I love art and I know that it's my true gift in mm -hmm. this world, I asked God at five years old when we were in church and they were talking about gifts mm -hmm. and I, I prayed, I said, God, tell me what my gift is. And I picked up a camera at 12 and everyone told me I was good at it. So I thought maybe this is my gift. Right. And I kind of have led my life from that. But at the same time, I'm constantly wanting to build and grow new things. And you could call that an artist or you could call that an entrepreneur. Well, know? if I were to give you a billion dollars, but you can never be talented at art again, would you take it? Yeah. Then you're entrepreneurial. <laughs> <laughs> There's your answer, everybody. And there's nothing wrong with <laughs> That's that. That's shallow, but it's I not shallow. Absolutely not. It's understanding. This whole conversation has been about being self-aware 
And what a lot of people do is they're judgmental and they don't really understand. This is why the origin story and the learning about hardship or the things that you've done along the way is important than just like, hey, she's a young blonde girl who is an artist, whoopity-doo. There's so much more depth and meat that comes with that that you have to understand that. And you never pass judgment, but you still need to understand those things. Before. I-, I felt that judgment really quick. And when I was in art school in New York, I was in school with all these kids who were doing it for the art. You know, yeah. they were true artists. Mm-hmm. And here I am wanting to sell things with my imagery, wanting to work for advertising agencies, mm-hmm. wanting to make money with my talent, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what my mom always did growing up. And so I realized right then and there, I'm in this to to provide, right. like we said, and to have a lifestyle. And so if someone said, you know, here's all the money you were ever worried about making, and you can just enjoy your life with your family now and experience the world, heck yeah, I right. wouldn't need the art anymore. The art is what gives me the opportunity to live my life the way I live it. Right. So, and, and like we talked about earlier, it's something you're passionate about doing, so you love doing the art. Yeah, it brings me joy. But, and it brings you money. But it brings me money more, more than anything. Mm-hmm. And But do I enjoy spending time with my daughter or doing a photo shoot? I'd rather be with my daughter. Right. So I think that's where it kind of comes You can always down. just grow grapes and forget about that art. And thing. me and my daughter can grow grapes right. and sell that. And we don't need you know to to show our expression through the camera or whatever. Right. But, but what, what, what another thing that's good too is it's not like uh, maybe that answer would have been different if you had just started and you, you know, you're so young in the journey of being an artist and, and owning the studio and the gallery and all that. But you've also have uh, produced a lot of pieces. You've done this as well. You know, yeah, you've been I've, a photographer I've for many that years. Itch scratch, yeah. You could say, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but also thinking more about that question, I feel like it's kind of loaded because if you take away the creativity, would life just be bland? Right. Well, it wouldn't be creativity at all because there's no money in the world to eliminate that. That'd be like, you can't be happy anymore. Right. It would That's just be like, I mean. yeah, yeah, if you take out any kind of creativity, there's no spark for life. Right. So uh, there's no seeing things in a, in a way that's, that makes you happy, right. you know? And so that, that's a deep, deep question. Yeah. But, but from the, yeah. It was more about you being more of an entrepreneur at heart. Yes. Who, who has sharpened the tool of being an artist and is using that tool to fulfill your entrepreneurial tendencies. My spirit. Yeah. Yes. Which is get out there, produce something, um, that people appreciate, right. you know, and want to be a part of. Yes. And it doesn't always have to make money for me. It's like, I just want to create new experiences for people. Like I'm throwing this crazy party for fantasy fest and I'm like, why do I do this to myself? Right. But I want my clients to have a good time. Yes. I want to just, you know, it's a challenge to myself. Can I do it? Can I pull it off? Mm-hmm. You know? And then if everyone else enjoys it in the meantime, mm-hmm. I've won and yeah. I, I get fulfillment out of making other people happy in yeah. a way. That's so. great. That's great. Yeah. And then that comes with being an entrepreneur as well. Also a manager leader. A lot of times they're thrown at the wayside. Like the people that are running the entire ship um, are very important. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're caring, not that artists aren't, but if you're an artist, you're like, this is my work. I'm doing it this way. Right. When when you're an doing it for the people, then you're different. then yeah, you're, you're willing to evolve and change and, mm-hmm. and do it for the people truly. Yeah, and give the people what they want. Yeah, give it to them. <laughs> um, all right. So, what advice would you give somebody that is an artist but wants to get into the say they're a hobby artist but they're talented, right? And they 
they want to, because we're not going to get into how do you feel that you're talented. That's a whole other thing. But if they know they're talented, people have told them they're talented, and they want to go out there and start selling their work, besides so calling you ways. and showing it to you and your well, gallery, what do you do? There's so many ways, but but first, you know, if you are talented and you have something that is different, I think that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. that people need to understand. It has to be different. It has to stand out. It's like the big thing they ingrained in us in art school was you want someone to look at it and know that that's your work. It has to have an identity. It has to be you. It has to be just as individual as you are. So if you have that and you aren't just doing the same thing everybody else is doing because you don't want to lie to yourself Mm -hmm. that you're going to maybe be successful if you're just drowned out by all the other people doing the same thing, um, you could get an Etsy shop. You could sell it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You could do an art show. You could do a local benefit at uh, whatever charity is going on and donate some art. So it gets in front of people show up at that, that charity and talk to people about your work. You never know who you're going to run into. Um, you could approach galleries. That's how I, you know, did it from day one is I went straight in the door and said, here's my work. What do you think? Well, we don't deal with photography. Cool. Be back in six months. Came right. back, evolved. Um, if that's what you really want, you find that third door. You know, you yeah. find a way to get in and and do it. And so for that emerging artist, it's just always just look for ways to, if you want to get out there and sell your work, to, to do just that. It's mm. like you can start anywhere. You can literally start selling it at your kid's bake sale. I don't know, mm. you know. I mean, it seems easier too when... I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it's easier for this person or that person. But when you spend your youth um, through challenges and through getting a lot of no's to get to yes, that builds a skin for a lot of business in the future because you you can't just like I don't want people listening to think, wow, she went into a, a studio or a gallery and said, hey, I have this photographer photography, and they're like, we don't do this, and then you just came up with this new original thing and brought it there and were successful. <laughs> I mean, it, but it was like that. It was, it, I, I knew I was passionate about photography. I knew I, 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 I knew I was good at photography. Right. I knew that I, I had something, mm-hmm. I had something and I believed in it. And when they told me that I almost did it as a joke to say, Oh, is this what you want? Right. You know? Oh, you like that? Right. Oh, cool. Maybe I like that too. Right. You know, like I was just. So being, was it competitive? Were you yeah, like, I'll show you. Look at this. It was competitive, yeah. but it was also kind of close-minded as at a young age to be like, you know, I don't know. I guess it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. I was. I was willing to evolve. Mm. Whereas if I was a true artist, like you'd say, yeah. maybe I would say, "Well, screw you. If you don't like it, then right. I, I don't want to find sell. someone yeah. that does." But I was like, you know what? I'm. I can be humbled. I can. I can try something new just like with carrying artists in my gallery mm-hmm. i think that's led to my continued you know ability to do what i do is i'm willing to evolve right. and i think anyone in this world that's not willing to evolve i mean we are a species of evolution yes. you know you have to be willing to evolve so. yeah no great answer great answer um i know this is this answer will probably change throughout your life because i think for me when I think of the answer now in 20 years is going to be different, but what legacy do you want to leave behind at this moment? I don't often think about that. Mm-hmm. I I'm sure there will be one. What do you think your friends and family would, or people say your kids or people would, you would want them to say about you when you're gone that I was incredibly 
inspiring mm. and a joy to be around. No, that sounds cheesy. Um, I should have really gone over these questions. No, no, <laughs> it's better to be like I didn't know anything about Off you. The it's, cuff. it's better to be. Off I the think, cuff. like for me, I I want people to say, you know what, this guy actually cared, and he he did things not expecting things in return. Like to me, that would be a blessing to leave. That's what people say about me into the future. Okay. Well, I think, I don't know. I guess I see myself as I just, I want to help people be happy and get the most out of life. And I love the, the biggest thing I love about this space on Duval street is I get to talk to complete strangers every day. And this woman yesterday came in and she said, you know, I, I'm a survivor of breast cancer and I've been thinking about this art that I want to do. And I'm like, well, what's there to think about? Why aren't you doing right. it? And she said, I just don't know how to start. And I said, well, well, what do you got? What do you got for me? Like, yeah. ask me a question. I've been working with resin for years because she wanted to use resin, but she didn't know how. And so I said, well, I'll tell you right now, if you're going to use casting resin um, or if you're going to be pouring deep, you need to use casting resin, blah, blah, blah. I just gave her all these things. I said, you could go on YouTube. Um, you can learn how, you know, like, let just go home. And, and, and I, I want right. to inspire people to take that step, to to take that leap into finding their own fulfillment and happiness and I get so frustrated when you meet people that say, well, I don't know what I'm good at. I'm yeah. like, no, you just, you're just apathetic. Yeah. You're really just kind of an apathetic person yeah. or, you're that, scared. or, or yeah. scared or you just don't, you like passion. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so I like to try to inspire those people, mm. um, to believe in themselves and say, well, maybe I could be good at this and maybe I should try it. Right. Great quality to have to be a mom too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We are almost done. It's been very long. We're almost done. Just a couple of quick, fun questions that I always ask at the end here. What is your favorite Key West event to attend? Oh, boy. Oh, I got, oof, Fantasy Fest. You can just be who you want to be. You can be creative. You can be crazy. You can be naked. You can do whatever you want, and it's it's. A and there's so many days that you can do each one of those in a different it's, day. Uh, Halloween's by far my favorite holiday ever. So. Yeah, it's my wife too. So she likes getting dressed up all the time. Totally. It's so exciting to just be something different for a day. I yeah. mean, that's my favorite thing about going to a movie. You get to be in a different world for an hour. Um, so just yeah. experiencing that is pretty cool. Cool. Uh, what about favorite uh, restaurant to go to? 915. Nice. That was Upstairs, quick. Upstairs, 0.5. That was like not even <laughs> hesitation on that go one. Go see Andrew and Heather. They're amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, maybe I'll get them on the podcast. Um, what about favorite hidden local spot? The tourists may not know about, which is hard now. Mary Ellen's is pretty cool. Okay. Um, I don't even know that. Uh, really? Yeah. It's right behind me. It's uh, right beside the old, where Two Cents used to be. Two uh, Cents used to be my yeah. favorite. Yeah, me too. And they got demolished, yeah. but they're going to rebuild, supposedly. Oh, they are. Um, well, I know they moved the crossed. bar. They moved the whole bar to their, their other location. Yeah. So I think they're just getting city approval, but they're going to be back. Uh, up and running, hopefully not too long. But yeah, I think Mary Ellen's is a really cool dive bar. They got an amazing little uh, restaurant. It's like a tiny little kitchen that makes grilled cheeses, and mm. they do trivia night over there. And it's nice. fun. It's like it's pretty divey. I like divey though. You need a little yeah. divey in your life. Um, what about place for music? I mean, we're right across over here from the parrot. Oh, I get blasted by the parrot every day. Um, music. I've I've never been, but I've been told that there's a jazz brunch at the Ocean Garden mm. Hotel. 
uh, the Gardens Hotel, and it's not far from here. And I've been meaning oh, to check yes. it out. My wife told me she she didn't we she didn't go yet. She's like, we have to go. Everyone There's talks this about jazz it. brunch yeah. at the Gardens Hotel. We have to go. We have to go. I so. know. We we should all go. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, what about uh, for happy hour? Honestly, happy hour at the, stu- at the studio. Pursue <laughs> art plus wine coming soon yeah. to Anna Sweet Studios, but. Um, Right now, I truly, truly love Ocean uh, Sunset Key. Mm-hmm. I like getting out there. You don't feel like you're on any. You feel like right. you're on an island in the middle of the ocean yeah, when you sure. go out to Ocean Key. Uh, sorry, Sunset Key, and you're just staring at the the water, and you get the unobstructed view of the sunset. Whereas anywhere else, you're going to be staring at Looking Sunset overhead, Key. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, what about tourist attraction that you take out of towners to? Oh, I always like to go to the Butterfly Garden. I yeah. know it sounds cheesy. No, but it's a big hit from a lot of people. I asked. Yeah, the Butterfly Garden, or where else do I take? I don't really bother with the Hemingway House. It's just like, okay, that's a house, cool. Right, um, right. and then you, then the guy killed himself, and you're like, oh man, oh that's depressing. I know. Yeah, um, but honestly, uh, there's a whole circuit. I'm sure that you hear from people with Key West. It's like there's just these bucket list things you got to check off your list. Of and course, one of them being Captain Tony's and. Yes. Flipping that quarter in of the fish's course. mouth. And I always see people doing it, and sometimes they go like one foot over. I'm like, buddy, throw a little more juice into that throw. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, there's a bucket list of people uh, that come, and they're like, I want to do all these things. And then I always try to find like that ob- obscure thing. Do you have like other gallery friends that you can do like a little art tour with? Or, or are you I just tried. too busy? I tried in the beginning. I wanted to develop an art crawl for mm-hmm. the city. Um, but every person I asked about it, they're like, yeah, we tried that and it didn't work out. So-and-so didn't want to participate. And so-and-so didn't want to participate. I mean, a lot of the art galleries here, unfortunately have been around for so long and they're so set in their ways. Yeah. They're so competitive. Um, they're not really open to promoting any other business, but their own. Right. I'm not trying to talk bad about anybody. I've just, uh, I've, I've tried to, um, bring up these things. And if I really had the time and energy, I would push through anyway and do it anyway mm-hmm. but um right now i'm just trying to make sure i pay my rent yeah so. you're focused on <laughs> the important things right now yes. okay last question besides where they can find you and all that we'll get to that that'll be the last question but this one here is give us a tip of the day it can be a new gadget a new food uh, a book you're reading podcast anything oh boy the pressure is on tip of the day i think Everyone should carry, (laughs) this is going to sound so hippie of me, but everyone should carry their own refillable water bottle because our consumption of plastic water bottles just breaks my heart every day. And I get so much joy from refilling this water bottle. It's, it's incredible to think the oceans are what have made my career. Um, without that ocean, I wouldn't be where I'm sitting where I am today. And to not be contributing any more plastic to that ocean is, you know, something that yeah, we can all mean, remember. Yeah, they say 2050, there'll be more plastic than fish. Yes. So. And it's the sad truth and every bit of plastic that's ever been made is still out there today. So, um, I think if you can buy a hydro flask and I just upgraded to the 40 because I see it. It's massive. that's how much water I drink every day. And I just, it's one of the best things I've invested in this year and I won't go anywhere without it. So awesome. I love that. And it's, uh, it's definitely something to do. People don't understand when it comes to recycling and we don't have to end the show on a a big hippie rant, but when it comes to recycling of plastics, you, you, it goes in tiers. So let's say that it's a plastic bottle that you recycle. Cool. Then that maybe goes to a bag. 
And then from a bag, they can't use it for anything else. And then it goes into the dump. Well, so we all won't even recycling. go into the fact that 90% of recycling doesn't, doesn't actually get right, recycled because right. it's not recycled properly. Yes. There's no recycle education. So anyway, that's a whole other yeah, exactly. podcast that's, for That's a whole other thing. Day. But um, where can people um, find you, find about your work? Uh, let's talk just about here in Key West instead of the other location. So here in Key West, you can visit me at 513 Duval Street. Uh, it's my gallery, my original space, or my new studio where I produce everything is just around the corner across from Charlie Max and the Green Parrot, and that's at 417 Southern. And pretty soon we're going to be opening a wine bar so you can come enjoy the art and some really amazing wine. Yeah, and then online, anasweet.com. Anasweet.com. And I'll put all this in the show notes, Instagram. And that's Instagram. on Instagram too, Anna yeah. Sweet Gallery. It's at Anna Sweet Gallery. Yes. Now, like I said, I'll put all that in the show notes. There's a couple other Anna Sweet Instagram things I see. I'll, I have lots of Instagrams. I'll put, I'll put all that. <laughs> if Look, if... If I was a woman and my name was Anna Sweet, I'd be putting it everywhere too because it is a very cool name. <laughs> it's my born name. I did not decide that name for myself. That is my grandfather's name. It came from the Mayflower, English descent. It's As most... long as your husband's last name isn't Sour, Aww. that would be awful. I'd have to change it's it to It's mine actually. His, it's pretty cool because his granddad was a very famous Yankee. Um, mm. So it wouldn't be the worst last name to no. take, but I'm not giving up my name. I wouldn't. Not, not <laughs> in this world. Listen, it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, we dug down the rabbit hole. Uh, we could have kept going. So I apologize if it was a little long-winded. That's coming from me. Oh, but no. I, I appreciate everything that you do. Um, you're super talented. You're super down to earth. And um, people need to come check out your work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. One last thing before you go. If you can, please leave a comment and rate the podcast in any of the apps that you listen to us in. It'll mean the world to us. That's it. Have a great day.